I think there's some excitement in the room this morning. All right, go ahead, take your seats and grab your Bibles, because here we go. We're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1 is where we're going to start today and uh, speak into some pretty incredible things. Hey, just before we get started here, um, aren't you grateful for our pastoral team? And I'm so thankful for Matt and the job he did and Emerson and the job they did. Hey, our, our bench is getting deeper. And how awesome is that? And praise the Lord for that. So I want to thank them for the great job that they did. And uh, just want you to know that they both preach a lot shorter than me, so do not get your hopes up (laughs) on that, all right? (laughs) Last week, I'm sitting back there. Excuse me one second. I'm sitting back there, um, and Emerson gets done. He goes, all right, let's pray. And I went, what? And I looked at my watch. I'm like, what in the world, man? But um, we're going to have some fun today. So, um, the next two weeks, I just want to set, up, set you up with where we're going to be. Um, we're coming up on Mother's Day, and that's always a very special day. And I want to spend this week and next week establishing a foundation for the series that we're going to start right after Mother's Day, the week after Mother's Day. And I'm going to explain the series uh, more to you in detail next week, okay? But to get you prepared for that, The foundation, some of the uh, building blocks, some of the um, books and and literature that I'm going to be using outside of the scriptures, and I want you to know that we're going to be, the the message, the series is going to be based on Matthew 24, Um, and we're going to go for about 10 weeks in Matthew 24, and you're like, really, in one chapter? Yes, in one chapter. Um, But I want to make these available to you. The first is um, this book called Letter to the American Church by Eric Metaxas, amazing book on what's happening in the church today. And um, I would encourage you to to pick this one up and you can study along with me. I'm gonna be using these to help me with my study. This one is The World of the End by David Jeremiah, an amazing book, um, kind of a commentary on on Matthew 24. Both of these books we've made available to you. We only have 25 of each right now. We can get more. But um, the church would like to gift them to you for $10. They're $22 a piece, something like that. I think one of these you can find on, market or on Amazon for 16 bucks. But if you would like a copy of these, they, we have 25 of each in the connection point. You can get each one for $10 a piece. Um, I'd love for you to get these and start reading right now in preparation for this series, Matthew 24 and start reading these books. And anything else you can get your hands on in Matthew 24, we're gonna go deep, and um, it's gonna be an amazing journey together. But in order to get ready for this series, I believe I have to set a foundation. And today's message is gonna sound familiar because I preached on this before. Um, In fact, not too long ago, two years ago, I preached on this passage about fear. We've entitled the, the message today, Scared of the Dark? Don't be. Okay, Um, I believe that we need to understand that we, in spite of all that's going on in our world, we do not need to be afraid. And then next week, we're going to talk about our identity as a church, okay? And those are both foundational, I think critical to understanding what we're going to be discussing in the next series. Got it? Okay, so let me tell you um, a little bit about being afraid of the dark. I don't know if you're afraid of the dark. We've got some kids in here. Are you afraid of the dark? No? Way to go, buddy. Are you lying to me right now? <laughs> when I was your age, I was deathly afraid of the dark. And um, I may have told you this story somewhere along the past, but it's, it's so relevant to today. Um, my parents were abusive. That's not funny. I mean, they were, they were abusive, and they made me take out the garbage. I had to take out the garbage, and I did not like to take out the garbage. I particularly didn't like to take out the garbage because it seems like every time I had to take it out, it was nighttime. And to punish us, they put the garbage the farthest away from the porch on the side of the house, which is the dark side of the house. And so I'd be ready to take the garbage out, and what I would do, because I'm, because I'm scared of the dark, I, I would turn the porch light on and I would walk 
with the garbage to the side of the house. And I was okay till I got to the corner of the house. Because when I got to the corner of the house, I had to turn the corner and go into the darkness outside of the light that was cast from the porch light. And I had to go. And so I had it all worked out to where I would, as fast as I could, go around the corner, open the top of the can, throw it in, close the can, and then turn. Now, here was the worst part of the whole thing. Because there were monsters on the side of the house. They were, I mean, crazy, wicked, evil things on the side of the house. I never saw one of those wicked things during the daytime. I never saw one. I actually never saw one taking the garbage out, but they were there. They were there. And what was horrifying to me, because as long as I was walking towards it and the light was behind me, I could see. But see, what freaks me out in my spirit, and it's been this way my whole life, is not knowing what's in the darkness and what's going to come at me. And I can't stand the thought that something's going to come at me in the darkness. And so whenever I would turn and come back to the light, I would literally sprint as fast as I could because I knew that that thing was behind me. And I didn't even have the courage to turn around to see if something was behind me. But I would be petrified Not petrified, because I was running with all my might, but I would be running as fast as I could, and I was scared to death in my heart. Anybody else scared of the dark? I'm still scared of the dark. Anybody else want to admit it with their pastor, that they're scared of the dark? I am still scared of the dark. Now, what I mean by that is, I still hate not knowing what's coming at me. Do you know where I'm going with this? Because there is a lot of darkness that's growing all around us. Does that make you fearful? Anybody afraid about the uncertainty of tomorrow? You know, like the uncertainty of our future, the future of our country, the future of our schools, the future of our families, I mean, whenever I sing that song we just sang, I'm all into, I speak Jesus for my family. I speak Jesus over my family, and I speak Jesus against the darkness that is coming into our families to take us. Anybody nervous and afraid of the uncertainty of our finances? How about the uncertainty of the church of Jesus Christ? This local body of the church of Jesus Christ. I am. We're living in a very, very sad time. A time of profound and widespread destruction of the institutions that have always guided us, nurtured us, and governed us. No longer do we live in a time where the public discussion and the public debate is centered and focused on getting the best possible outcomes for the people on this planet. Rather, it's all about the tearing down of everything that is good and everything that is wholesome and everything that is right and everything that is just. And I'm not being dramatic about that. That is what is happening if you have your ears open right now. Everything's flipped on its head right now. Everything is upside down. We are being told that right is wrong and wrong is right and good is bad and bad is good. Of course, Jesus said it would happen like that. And I want to tell you that what we're dealing with, though it may seem like it is, it is not political. There is something very much bigger going on. It's a spiritual battle. And the axis of evil is Satan himself and his dominion, his minions in his dominion. And he's doing, they are doing their work of killing, stealing, and destroying all that is good and all that is righteous. In fact, if we ever need to pray, if God's people ever needed to pray, it's now. National Day of Prayer is this week. National Day of Prayer is Thursday. And there's, I I would just say, friends, there is massive power in prayer. When we pray, we release the Holy Spirit to pray. 
And when the Holy Spirit prays, God answers all those prayers. And we need to be praying, especially this week, since we even have time set aside to do it. There are all kinds of things going on all around town. You can go down to the courthouse in Goshen. You can go downtown in Elkhart. You can find times all over town where you can pray. But I want to draw your attention to a couple particular. Um, One Cry Michiana is happening on the campus of Bethel University Thursday night. We're going to gather together. We're going to pray. Robin and I will be there. I'm actually going to participate in this this year. And I would invite anybody who would want to set time aside on Thursday night to come to Bethel University. And let's just pour our hearts out and pray. Here's a unique opportunity that came to us unsolicited, just a box of stuff showed up for Turning Point USA, who is doing what they're called Kingdom to the Capital, a 50-state capital tour. And they're actually going to be at our state capital in Indianapolis next Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock p.m. And they're going, to be, they're going to be praying for our governors, they're going to be praying for our legislators, our mayors, and our school board members. Now, you might be saying, well, Turning Point USA is a political organization. It's a political activist organization. They are political activists. They are. But this is not what this is. This isn't a political rally. This is gathering the kingdom believers to come together to pray because when God's people pray, awesome things happen. So I know it's Sunday afternoon in Indianapolis. So come to church, get in the car, drive down. Um, I can't do it because of what we got going on um, here and I have responsibilities here that I can't get out of. Um, you know, I have a job here. But if I could, we would be taken off to go down there to be part of this. And so I, I would love it if some of us um, were able to go down there. You can pick up some information about that at the connection point um, if you would like to attend that. And if you do, come back and give me a report on how it went. I would love to know um, how that goes. But listen, we need to be serious about this. And so we're going to be serious about this as a church as we look to the future. Here's a, here's a definition, I think I have it on your, on your notes that we want to use today in talking about fear. Fear is a distressing emotion aroused by the anticipation of pain, harm, or loss. I want to lean into that a little bit right now because it is the anticipation of pain, harm, or loss that brings the fear. And that fear is a distressing emotion that comes upon us. Now, Fear can be a good thing because fear is given to us as an emotion. Our emotions are given to us by God. They're built into us. And so fear can be a good thing, right? I mean, for sure when it's momentary, kind of like when it's a temporary alertness that danger might be present. I believe that fear is is God-given and it's planted into our DNA to arouse our attention to the fact that danger is present and we need to wake up. It's time wake up to this That's healthy fear. But unhealthy fear is when you're afraid of anything on a regular basis. And if you are afraid, a continual fear about your future or about your circumstances, that's not from God. If you live in the ongoing, debilitating presence of fear, that's not from God. We're going to see that in just a minute. How many of you would agree with this statement I'm going to have on the screen here? Fear doesn't live in the present and the certain. It lives, and I would even say it thrives in the future and the uncertain. That is so true. This is where so many of us get stuck is right here. This is where I get stuck is the uncertainty of the future. I don't know what's coming at me, and I don't like it, and it makes me fearful. I start to worry. I start to get anxious about the future. I start to get anxious about my circumstances. Am I gonna have enough? Am I gonna be able to take care of my family? What kind of harm is going to come to us? What are we gonna have to endure? How am I gonna have to lead the church? What am I gonna have to lead the church through? Sometimes we can get so overwhelmed that we get frozen in our tracks and we become irrational in our imaginations begin to create monsters, like on the side of the house, remember? We begin to create monsters in our minds that aren't really there. Anybody used to think, (laughs) you guys, I'm sorry that I'm showing you the dark side of me, but I, I must have had a very twisted childhood because I thought that there was something living underneath my bed. And I also thought that there was something living in the closet. 
I'm talking to you in the red shirt. <laughs> Didn't want to admit it. I used to be so petrified of underneath the bed that I would turn the light off and dive for my bed because I just knew that if I walked alongside the edge of the bed and the lights were off, that something was there and going to grab me. I could not lay in bed. Sometimes I would be so hot. I grew up in California. I'd be so hot in my bed, but I would not get out from underneath the sheets because if I like put my leg out, I just, I saw this hand coming out. Do you, did you see the same thing? Uh, this hand would come up and grab my, and as soon as I thought about that, I would jerk my leg back underneath the covers. Same thing with the closet. I could not go to bed with the closet door open. There's monsters in there. And you're like, no, there are not, Phil. In fact, I know that. Because I had to clean out my closet. And I had to clean out from under the bed. And as long as it was daytime, I could go under the bed. You know the only thing I found under there? Socks and underwear and tennis balls. That's the only thing I ever saw underneath my bed. And I would clean it out. So I knew there wasn't a monster underneath there, but at night, they came. And they were monsters of my own making. And you might say, well, Phil, sometimes there are monsters out there. Sometimes there are giants out there that I'm facing. I agree. I agree. And sometimes they're scary. But if you let this kind of fear that we're talking about overtake you, your fear will exaggerate your monsters into uncontrollable, insurmountable foes, and we become totally paralyzed over that which we have no control. Because if there was a real monster out there, you have no control over that monster. And once you fall asleep, the monster's going to devour you anyway. But isn't that the problem? See, the problem, part, of the, part of the main problem of fear is that we lose control. Part of my problem is, a, it's a, my problem is a control issue. I want to know what's out there so that I can see it coming and deal with it and control it because I don't want it scaring me. But look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, because Timothy was a fearful pastor. Excuse me. And Paul writes to Timothy in verse 5 of 2 Timothy chapter 1, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I want to remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid hands on you. And here's our, here's our, here's our verse for the day. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Timothy was a hesitant, doubtful, inferior, and I believe fearful and timid pastor. And evidently he had what Paul is calling the spirit of fear, and he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, God did not give that to you. He gave you instead something very different. Now this spirit that we're talking about is not like the spirit of God, like we talk about the Holy Spirit. It's not like the spirit of demons. Some people say, oh, the demon of fear came upon me and is controlling me. That is not what he's talking about here. The spirit of fear here, that word literally means a disposition or an outlook. It's this, it's a pattern of thinking or an attitude toward your circumstances that causes you that emotion of fear. Here it is. If you are predisposed or have a pattern of thinking that results in constant debilitating fear in response to the circumstances that are around your life or the things that you think are coming from this world, that's not from God. That's what Timothy is saying. If your life is characterized by worry and ulcers and insomnia and the wringing of your hands and all forms of fear and anxiety as a result of the fear of your circumstances, that's not from God. And you might say, okay, well, it's not from God. Then who's giving me that gift? I, I believe it's twofold. I believe it's a combination of two things. It's a combination of something inside of us, and it's a combination of something outside of us. And here's what I believe is going on. This fear, this spirit of fear, comes probably because of our never-ending desire to control everything and everyone in our lives 
And that desire of control is driven by our obsession for our own well-being and comfort. I believe that is a main thing that actually drives fear and anxiety in me. I don't want to be uncomfortable, and I don't want to be, I don't want bad things to happen. And I want to see them coming, and I think I can control them if I can see them coming. Anybody else like that? No? Okay, I'm the only one. Here's the other thing that I think it's, it's combined into and, and, and just complicates the whole thing. There is a constant barrage of demonic world events that are coming at us all the time and news that's coming out of all the time. And the goal of all of that is to discourage God's people, causing you to doubt that the sovereign God of the universe, your heavenly father, is capable of taking care of you and taking care of these things that you can't see coming. See, part of my problem is I don't, I wanna see it coming and sometimes God says you're not gonna see it coming. Do you trust me? Do you trust me that I've got you? Do you trust me that if the thing comes and causes you harm, that you're gonna be okay? And too many times if I'm led by fear, the answer is no, I don't think I'm gonna be okay. I actually don't trust you, Lord. In fact, that's what fear is portraying in my life, is that I don't trust you, God. I want to be in control of what's happening in my life. But I'm telling you, fear is real. But that kind of fear is not from God. I want you to hear me loud and clear right now. I actually have three exclamation points at the end of this statement. I want to scream it, actually. I would like to just holler it with the loudest voice I have. I want to scream it, first of all, into my own face and into my own heart. Phil, you have nothing to fear. I want to come scream it into your face. If I knew the thing that you're wrestling with, I knew the thing that you were afraid of, if I knew the thing that you were uncertain of and that you were anxious and was keeping you up at night, I would want to come to you right into your face and say to you, sister, brother, you have nothing to fear. And you know why I can say that? Because God has given you, he hasn't given you the spirit of fear, he has given you some supernatural, spirit-empowered gifts called power, love, and a sound mind. He has given you power over your circumstances. He has given you love for your relationships. And he's given you self-control over your heart's desires. And I only have time to work on the one, on one that I'm gonna work on today. And that is that he has given you power over your circumstances. I want you to hear this loud and clear. That what God has given you to overcome your problem of fearing the uncertainty of your future is a supernatural, the scripture actually describes it as dynamite power, dunamis, dynamic power through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Sin has given this world and therefore given us the disposition and the propensity to fear and to be doubtful and to worry. But in Christ, you are not what you used to be. The Bible says that that's what that's used to characterize your life because of the sin that is in this world. But you are now a new creation in Jesus Christ. The old is gone, the new has come, and you now possess power to overcome your fear and to overcome the fearful circumstances that are coming your way. That's the gift that God has given to each one of his children. I love that song we sang earlier, but I love this one that we don't sing as much as we used to. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Why? What's the next line? I am a child of God. We're no, we're no longer enslaved to the, the fear and, the, and the, actually the old nature that we used to have that wanted to control everything. We can release that now under the power of the Holy Spirit and give it to the Lord. Because we have been given a new life in Christ, we possess the power of Christ. The Holy Spirit, we're told, lives inside of us so that we can be fearless. We're supposed to have the attitude as children of God. 
no matter what we're facing, are you, are you with me? You guys look a little stunned right now. When your feet hit the ground in the morning, because you're a child of God, you ought to stand up and say, bring it, world. Bring it on. You can't touch me. You can't hurt me. You have no power here. You have no power. Listen, the world and the satanic system and everything else around us is coming at us. They have no power over you. They think they do. They're gonna try and impose that upon you. They're gonna try and take everything from you. But you're a child of God. If you're not a child of God, you're toast. I'm, I'm just being serious. You are. You, you, like, you have no power against all of that that's coming. But friends, we're being told here in the scripture that we have the power of God. We have been given the gift of the power of God. And so that we can stand and say, bring it on. I can take whatever you have to give me. Now, not because I'm special. Not because in and of myself I'm powerful. But because of the power that resides inside of each one of us as children of God. Can I show you what happens when God's people live in fear and their circumstances, fear other circumstances instead of living in the power of faith? Um, go with me to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 13. That's the, back in the Old Testament. Haven't been there in a while. Go back to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, fourth book of the Bible, and go to chapter 13. And this is where we read about the journey of God's people so God's people, Israel, his chosen people, chilled his children of God, they were living in bondage because of their disobedience of their hearts. They were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And Numbers 13 describes to us their exodus out of Egypt and God taking them to the promised land that he had promised their forefathers. Here's a, here's a map of what was happening here. So you can see right here, this is Egypt, and this is where they were enslaved. And God says to Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go so that they can go possess the land that I have promised and worship in the land that I have promised to them. So a whole series of events takes place, all of the plagues and everything, and finally, miraculously, they're released, and they come down, down here, and they cross the Red Sea. Miraculously, remember that story? I mean, parted, God parted the Red Sea for them and they walked on dry ground and then after all of Israel gets across, he brings the waters upon the armies of Egypt and destroys the armies of Egypt. What an awesome story. Oh my word, you guys. <laughs> I totally set you up. What an awesome story. I mean, when was the last time God parted the Red Sea for you and you walked across on dry ground? I mean, literally did that for you, right? I mean, that's a big deal. Okay, go back to that map, please. So then they're down here wandering around and right here in the wilderness of Paran, you see that right there? This is where they are when we get to chapter 13. So here we go, let's go with the story. So chapter 13, verse one, the Lord says to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So 12 men were chosen and 12 men go out to scout the land. What land are we talking about? Canaan, but what's it called? The promised land. Okay, who promised it? God did. God promised it to Jacob. So their forefathers had this promise. I'm gonna give you the land. So now they're standing at the edge of the land and everybody knows it. And Moses says, okay, 12 guys, one from each tribe. You go out, guys, go out, scout the land, come out back and give us a report. So they did. They go out for 40 days and return with this report in verse 27. Jump to verse 27. This is what they said. We entered the land that you sent us to explore and it is indeed a bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit that it produces. And the scriptures tell us that they brought grapes and they brought figs and they brought pomegranates and the grapes, they, it says, were so big, the clusters of grapes, that two men had to carry it on a pole. That's how big the grapes were. That's magnificent. And so it literally was an awesome country, literally flowing with milk and honey, producing all kinds of greatness. Look at verse 28. The very next word is what? 
However, now I want you to just know, here comes the fear factor, right here. However, so the place is awesome. This is what God promised. Here's the, here's the, the proof of it. However, the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. It's awesome out there. However, here's the bad report. <coughs> How many howevers do you have in your life? How many howevers do you have in your world? I just want you to know that fear lives in the howevers of your circumstances. Did you notice who spoke out first? We know the story because we've, we've studied this before. Joshua and Caleb are the men of faith of the 12. But who spoke out first? It was the 10. It was the faithless. It was the naysayers. It was the Debbie Downers in the group. It was the doubters in the group that spoke up first. How many times is that true in your life? You're going along and then something hits. And who's the first people to speak into you sometimes? It's the however people. It's the Debbie Downers. It's the faithless. It's the people that come and, and like they did to Job, accuse you of what wrong did you do? Well, Job didn't do anything wrong when these things came upon him. But these are the people that tend to speak up first. There are plenty of people in our lives that will point out the howevers and can only see the impossible, right? But then there's some Caleb's that come along. How, how many of us need a Caleb in our life to come and say in verse 30, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. This is, I love his faith. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. The Lord gave it to us. This is our land. It's been promised to us. Here we are, on the edge of it. We've seen it. It's a wonderful place. Let's go. Come on, let's trust God. But the other men who had explored the land disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. Do they know that? Is it true? Why isn't it true? Because they have the power of God on their side. That's why it's true. And Caleb knows it. Joshua knows it. Moses knows it. But these men are faithless. They're stronger than they are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. I can almost hear their voices. This land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. There's a monster on the other side of the house. All the people we saw were giants. We even saw the descendants of Anak. Ah! Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. That's a lie. I guarantee you, these men did not go up to the giants of Anak and ask if they looked like grasshoppers to them. Do you see what starts to happen with fear? So how do the people respond? Well, of course, the people of Israel. They're the people of Israel. They're the children of God. These men had a weak moment. These men went out and saw the giants, and they were real. Okay, there were real giants out there. They were telling the truth. And they did look like grasshoppers compared to them. And these men had a weak moment. So the people of Israel, they rose up and they said, guys, guys, get a hold of yourself. We serve a living God. We serve a powerful God. We serve a God who delivered us out of the hands of Egypt and delivered us across the Red Sea miraculously. Stop with the faithless talk. Right? <laughs> Verse one of chapter 14. Then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Is that what God said? Is that what God ever said? What did God say? I will give you the land. I will give its people and its inhabitants to you. 
our wives and our little ones are gonna be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Unbelievable. Can you see, can you see what fear produces? So Joshua and Caleb decided to give it one more try. Look at verse seven. The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is rich land flowing with milk and honey. Get this next point. Don't miss this next point. Do not rebel against the Lord. I just wanna say to you, my friends, fear of your circumstances, especially debilitating fear that stops you from moving forward and doing the thing that God has in store for you to do and expects you to do, displeases the Lord and is actually rebellion against the Lord. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. I love this part. They're so full of faith. They're only hopeless prey to us. Bring it on. I don't care how many giants there are. Bring them because they don't have God. We have God on our side and God will fight for us. They're already delivered into our hands. They have no protection. So don't be afraid of them. Wouldn't you just love and rally around somebody like that? Wouldn't you just love to have that kind of optimism and faith in your presence whenever you're fighting some kind of big battle? And so the people, of course, repented of their, of their faithlessness and they said, you're right, you're right, we have an awesome God, right? Verse 10, the whole congregation, how many of the congregation? The whole congregation decided to stone them. Are you kidding me? This makes me nervous. I'm, I'm fixing to come up, up in your face over the next several weeks, like 15 weeks, and say, the giants are on the doorstep. Buckle up. Armor up. We're going to battle against the Amalekites. I'm scared to death that a whole bunch of you are gonna say, stone him. <laughs> I love to hear those voices right there. Are we people of faith that possess the power of God or are we people who possess the spirit of fear? Because all of this is driven by fear. All of it. And that's exactly where Satan wants us. He wants us so afraid of what's coming. He wants us so afraid of the future. He wants us so afraid of the government. He wants us so, I can't wait. I'm gonna tell you a story about a dream I had. Maybe not. <laughs> I woke up like, he wants us so afraid that we are paralyzed and we wanna run back to Egypt. We want to run back to the old instead of walking in the new. The fruit of the spirit of fear is this. Go to your notes. The spirit of fear embraces the negative. This is what we saw in the story. We begin to listen to the unfaithful, the voices of the unfaithful. We believe, begin to listen to the voices of the unbelieving and the voices of the weak instead of listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of God in his word. The spirit of fear enlarges the enemy's threats. We've already talked about that. Everyone are giants, and they think we're grasshoppers, and they're gonna devour us and our children. Yeah, well, if you don't have a God, the almighty, powerful God on your side, probably true. The spirit of fear engages your anxiety and brings into open that which is stored up in our hearts and our minds, and we begin to act upon it. What was their solution? Let's get rid of our leaders and let's go back to the enslavement in Egypt. Give me the whip to my back instead of facing with the power of God on our side, the enemies ahead of us. How sad. God does not want that for his people. And the result of forfeiting, the result of that kind of attitude and that kind of reaction is a forfeiting of God's blessing and protection. I want you to read this 
Paul Tripp wrote this in his book called Dangerous Calling. He said, fear can overwhelm your senses. It can distort your thinking. It can kidnap your desires. It can capture your meditation so that you spend more time worrying about what you could be than considering the God who is. Fear can cause you to make bad decisions in the short term and fail to make good decisions in the long run. Fear can cause you to forget what you know. This is, this is Israel right here. Forget what you know and lose sight of who you are. Fear can make you wish for control you will never have. It can cause you to distrust people you have reason to trust. It can cause you to be demanding rather than serving. It can cause you to run when you should stay and to stay when you really should run. Fear can make God look small and your circumstances loom large. Fear can make you seek from people what you can only get from the Lord. Horizontal fear cannot be allowed to rule your heart because if it does, it will destroy you and your ministry. My friends, listen, we have got to step into the power, the supernatural power for our circumstances that God has given to us. Go back to your notes again, because the spirit of power embraces the promises of God. Joshua, remember him? We got Joshua and Caleb, the men of faith. So 40 years the people wandered in the wilderness. You know why? because they were faithless right here in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. Because of their lack of faith and their lack of leaning on God and, and remembering God's promises to them, God said, okay, you're gonna all wander around in the wilderness for 40 years until this generation of doubters, until this generation of people who said, I can't trust in God are dead and I'm gonna give the land to your children. So on the eve of God giving the land to the people and they were gonna go across the Jordan and they were going to take the land, God appears to Joshua and this is what he says to, them, to him. Don't be afraid, Joshua. Isn't that interesting? God's like taking him back to 40 years ago when the people were shaking in their boots and wanting to go back to Egypt and he takes him right back there and says, Joshua, don't be afraid. Kind of sounds like Paul to Timothy. Don't be afraid. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. What's the promise? As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. That promise is for you and me too. We possess the spirit of God who lives inside of us, who gives us this power to overcome the fear. And so in the middle of your time, when you're anxious, Joshua was anxious. He knew he had a big job to do. And God comes alongside of him, reminds him of his promises. Don't be afraid. That, that is to you. Don't be afraid. I don't know what your circumstance is. I don't know what you're dealing with, but don't be afraid. As I was with Moses and I was with Joshua and all the other children of mine, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Jesus spoke into this also when he said this. In this world, you'll have trouble. You guys, the trouble's coming. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna open it up. We're gonna peel it apart. We're gonna actually like isolate each individual trouble piece that's coming our way. And you're like, oh man, I'm not coming. I don't wanna hear all this bad news. So there's good news on the, on the backside of every piece of bad news that we're gonna talk about. Trouble is coming. Jesus said, in this world, you're gonna have trouble. But take heart. In other words, don't be afraid. Pick your head up because I have overcome the world. And if I'm an overcomer of the things that are scaring you, so are you because you have my power at work inside of you. Amen. Ephesians 3.20. God has plans, the scripture says, to significantly use you in times of trouble. Not because you're special. Not because you have some kind of great thing inside of you. It's because you have the Holy Spirit who is great inside of you. And by that power, by the way, it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, Ephesians 1.20, that power is going to exceedingly and abundantly beyond all you can ask or imagine take care of that fearful situation and those circumstances that are coming. It's gonna blow your mind. So the spirit of power embraces the promises. The spirit of power also engages your support system. I want you to hear this, okay? Sometimes we're weak. In fact, a lot of times we're weak. 
Sometimes we're facing some hardship. Sometimes we're facing something that's coming into our lives and we're fearful. And because we're human, we're gonna fall into a fearful state. We're gonna get anxious. We're gonna be all messed up. We might fall into some kind of depression because of what's going on. That is when you need your support system. That is when you need the body of Christ. Because look at the person to your right. Go ahead, look at the person. Okay, you can't do that because everyone's looking to the right. Okay, just take a look around the room. Every single child of God possesses the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that we're talking about today. And sometimes when we are weak, we need to draw on the power of the body of Christ. He has given us each other, the Bible says, to carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So whenever you're in the middle of your hardship, whenever you're in the middle of the anxiety and you're tempted to fear, look around you and look to see who God has for you, who's walking beside you in your hardship. I can look at all kinds of people right now and I can name your hardship and I can tell you and I can rejoice with you because you had people around you, the people of God, the family of God who helped you through your hardship. And had you not had them, you'd be in despair today. Engage your support system. Here's what the spirit of power also does. It exercises your faith. It helps you call out the lies and proclaim the truth into your circumstances. Whenever you're tempted to fear, you need to dive into God's word. And you need to dig into God's word. And you need to claim the promises that are there for you. Listen, let me ask you, do you believe that what God has said in his word is true? Or are you going to listen to the lies of the unfaithful? Are you going to listen to the lies of the spies? Ah, we're like grasshoppers and our children are gonna be devoured. No, you're not. It's not gonna happen. The reason it's not gonna happen is because you are children of the most high God and God has promised you a land of milk and honey. So take the land. If you live and immerse yourself in the truth and meditate on God's promises when you're tempted to fear, fear will flee from you because the truth, the Bible says, sets us free. You have nothing to fear. You have nothing. Are you scared of the dark? Don't be. Don't be. As a child of God, I love this quote. You don't have the spirit of fear. It is just an echo of how you were before you came to Jesus. I'm gonna wrap it up with this. Hear me carefully, okay? The time is here when we're going to have to stand like never before for truth and righteousness. I'm gonna discuss some of these in detail with you next week. You're gonna to have to stand when it comes. And the question is, when it comes, when that time comes, and it's coming for all of us, <coughs> when that time comes, will you run and hide? Will you shrink back in fear? Or will you stand in the truth and power and strength that is yours in Christ Jesus that has been given to you, supernaturally given to you because you're a child of God? I read this about a dear woman and it just makes me wanna cry every time I read it. These are her last words before she was martyred for her faith. It is a wonderful, this is how she wrote. It is wonderful the peace which the Lord is giving us. Do you know that when you're in the middle of your hardest time, there is a peace that passes understanding that will help guard your heart and your mind? And here she is right on the edge of giving her life for Jesus. And it's wonderful the peace which the Lord is giving us. For though we know not what a day may bring forth, we are restful and do not feel a bit afraid. For the Lord's promises are so reassuring. I will help you. I will save you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you.
My friends, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but he has supernaturally given to you power, the same power that went to work raising Jesus from the dead. He has given you the gift of love, the same love that God put in play when he sent his one and only son to die for you. And he has given a sound judgment that assures you that all his promises are true, that his sovereignty is in control of your every move, that he will never leave you or forsake you, and that in the end, no matter how the end comes, no matter how the end comes, he will make things new. In fact, it says he will make all things new. Scared of the dark? Don't be. You don't need to be. You are powerful because you're a children of God. Let's stand together. Before I pray and ask God to give us all strength as we go from this place, I wanna say this. We've been talking a lot about being children of God. You might be here and you know that you're not. You might be visiting with us online and you know that you're not. That's nothing to be ashamed of. I just want you to hear that you, there is hope in Jesus' name. There is help in Jesus' name. There is deliverance in Jesus' name, but there is the forgiveness of sins and a new life in Jesus' name. Please, if God's speaking to you today and you know that you're not a child of God, whether you're here in the room or wherever you are visiting with us online, would you just reach out to us? We even have a prayer team down here that will pray with you. I, just come tell me. I would love to sit and talk to you and share with you how you can know Jesus if you don't know Jesus. If you also have a debilitating fear or a circumstance that's just got you down, I wanna invite you to come to the front and borrow some of the power from the other brothers and sisters in Christ that are down here to pray for you and pray over your circumstance so that you can walk out of here with your head a little higher and the weight a little lighter as you walk out of this place because there is strength in community and we wanna help you with that. Don't carry it all by yourself. Take it to the Lord and take it to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Deal? 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 All right, Lord, I pray that you'll help us and strengthen us. I pray for protection over my brothers and sisters as they leave this place, protection from the attack of the evil one on them and on their families. I pray that you'll give us strength to endure all that is coming our way and all that we have before us and that we won't be people of fear. We will be people of faith and that we will walk in the power that you've given to us. So give that power and strength and the realization of that to all my brothers and sisters here. In Jesus' powerful name we pray, say it with me. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you, we love you.